All right, so uh, I'm here with Adam, and we're going to talk about a number of things, but we're going to start talking first about The Rise of Skywalker because that's obviously you know, a big release. And I've had some discussions about it, but I, I specifically wanted to discuss this with Adam because he and I talked about The uh, the, the Last Jedi when that came out, and it's been an ongoing conversation after and before programs when we've just had time to hash it out and we also do want to get on doctor who and things like that so we'll probably cover a couple of different topics this episode but we're going to lead in with rise of skywalker so before i say anything i just want to get adam's reaction because i i don't i think i got a brief rundown of your response at one point but i don't honestly remember the, the what your final opinion was ah uh, okay to start like put in context too i saw this like with my nephews that are kids so it's like you know i i i, I wasn't like watching a particularly critical stick i saw it with a bunch of kids that are like oh it's a star wars movie enjoyed it which made me enjoy it more and my overall feeling is that it's a movie that's fine i'm not going to be like yeah this was a return to form this was fantastic but it's like i don't know i I mean, at the moment, my feeling about Star Wars is that it should be kind of light entertainment. That's like, I think, what it should aspire to be. I feel too many people take it too seriously. And I do have problems. And as we go forward, I can tell you my problems I had okay. with, with, with this movie. But, you know, so I do have nitpicks. But on the whole, I felt it was fun. Like, I felt that... You know, because I mean, even Empire Strikes Back has a lot that's fun to it. Yeah. You know, and it's like... I, 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 basically, I felt like the characters were back, too. It's like I didn't feel in The Last Jedi that I was seeing the same characters I saw in Force Awakens. That was one of the things I thought The Force Awakens did well. I, I, you know, I, thought, I thought all the characters it set up seemed interesting and intriguing, you know, even, if, even if the plot wasn't particularly original. And then in the second movie, I just I didn't I really, I, I really even realized until I saw this movie, but I'm like, oh yeah, that was one of the problems with the second movie. These characters just did, they didn't know how to write these characters in the second movie. And it, it I don't know, that just hung together for me much better. But I, I'll, I'll go on further. That's kind of my, my basic impression. I, mean, I think I had a very similar initial base reaction that you did, which is I found it entertaining. I have criticisms of it. I have criticisms of the trilogy as a whole. You know, I, unlike you, I found I found The Last Jedi entertaining as well, but I was very, how can I put it, very sympathetic to most of the critiques of The Last Jedi. Um, and, and now that I've seen this one, I'm even more sympathetic to those critiques. This is sort of, <laughs> this is fleshed out sort of, okay, yeah, the, those were definitely serious problems. Not, not necessarily for The Last Jedi alone, but for the other movies. It created... It created instability in the trilogy in mm -hmm. terms of telling an overall story. And so I I think that I get to just address the trilogy in general, I think that they were trying to make two different trilogies. And and that's the <laughs> core problem here. Um, I feel like we got we got the the start the start with Abrams with Force Awakens, which it wouldn't have been like my go-to. Yeah, this is how you should do a new Star Wars movie. But it was. But they they injected enough excitement and energy mm -hmm. and renewed faith that I remember most people seem to be on a similar page. If you hadn't already written it off before you went into the theater, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then the Last Jedi came out, and then that just split everybody in two in a really weird way, where mm -hmm. there were like adamant fans of it and there were people who really didn't like it and there were some people like me that were more in the middle but there really weren't that many people in the middle it was my impression it really was divisive and then this movie feels like it it, it picks up whatever shreds it can of that you know what i mean in terms in of the, the shattered ones. fan base and in terms of bringing yeah. the, the threads together that have been established but so much was torpedoed with that second movie that it was hard yeah, yeah it was very it's difficult battle and i mean it's funny because i read a review of rise of skywalker that was going how this was an insult to what ryan johnson did and how it negated everything he did and i thought that was a weird angle to take because that's exactly what 
The Last Jedi did it. It was like, okay, you know, every it basically it's like they said a checklist. Here's yeah. everything, everything you were looking forward to in the next movie, and we're gonna undo that. I, we're just gonna step by step go through and undo it. And and I mean, it it, it felt so for, it made it actually feel formulaic to me more yeah. than once I kind of saw what the movie was doing. It didn't didn't feel like whoa, this is going in a new direction. It felt like. This is a really predictable way to be subversive. Yeah, no, it became a paint-by-numbers. The the least interesting thing about The Last Jedi for me was that aspect of it. And the most interesting Uh thing was just that it entertained me with the visuals and the action and some of the characters and stuff. But there was, yeah, I mean, there was some good action in in there in parts. But I, but I, but I understand the critique because I feel if if you if you if I had to pick sides in the Last Jedi debate, I would pick the sides of the people who notice some of these structural issues with the movie that you clearly see when you go to see the rise of skywalker it's um... yeah well i mean it was a real problem for me because i mean originally there were supposed to be three different directors for these movies and and it's like i don't know i mean i've got some background in improv improv acting and stuff and it's like when you're doing that it's, it's a team game you're kind of you bring some things to the table you use what other people have brought and I felt like, like Johnson just like tipped over the table, left yeah. nothing for the next guy. Yeah. And, and it was just like, that's, it, it's, it's, it's just, it just was a bad, I mean, for, for, especially for being this, this property that was like this major property that Disney bought. I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what they were thinking in approving this screenplay, but it just felt to me like there was no plan. Yeah. Let's. I mean, I, I mean, I, you would think of anyone, anyone at Lucasfilm, like I guess Kathleen Kennedy would go, boy, you know, this, this, this screenplay isn't going to work because we don't know where we're going to go from here, and, they, and it seems like nobody thought about that. That's the part uh, that I don't understand because you could almost have ended the trilogy with the Last Jedi, and it would have made more sense than continuing just by it didn't really lead like the big difference between The Last Jedi and The Empire Strikes Back is The Empire Strikes Back has this huge emotional moment that is like this big payoff and it sets up the next movie to get you interested in going to see you know you want to come back for Return of the Jedi because yeah. you know that they're going to rescue Han and, and and there's this sort of anticipatory moment at the end of the film and if you contrast that with The Last Jedi I had to summon up the energy to go see Rise of Skywalker. I had no, and I and I wasn't like completely turned off by the Last Jedi, but I was just kind of thinking like, well, what am I going there for? Like, what am I waiting exactly. to see? Exactly, and that yeah, I mean to, to to cut in here. I mean, I I felt like when I, when you see Empire Strikes Back, that's that's a somewhat downbeat ending. But you're like, wow, you know, are they going to go rescue Han now? Yeah. You know, is Luke going to go back and finish his training? Is he going to take out Darth Vader? I didn't have any questions like that at the end of The Last Jedi. It's like, oh well, they're alive. Yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And there wasn't there wasn't any thread. Of, well, I mean, they're alive as far as the care aside from the characters that died. But uh, but yeah, it just didn't. So I, I actually I, I wasn't watching the time when I watched The Last Jedi, and I thought actually the movie was getting near its climax when we were at the point where. Um, where Kylo Ren is telling Rey about, you know, oh, your parents were nobody, yeah. and uh, and you know, I want to, I don't, let's end this this fight between the light and dark side. Let's take this a new way. And I thought, ooh, this is actually intriguing. You know, I thought, you know, if it, if it had ended kind of at a climax where you didn't know where that was going to lead, I felt like that would have been an exciting ending. That would, you know, what's how's Rey going to react to this? Is this going to go in a new and exciting direction? And but the movie went on for like another hour, and during that hour, Ray's reaction to finding out her parents were nobodies. We don't really get a real re. I mean, we get kind of an emotional moment reaction, yeah. but it doesn't change anything in the way she behaves for the rest of the movie. Kylo Ren, who said, "Oh, I want to do things differently," and he takes charge of the of the uh, first order, and then he does exactly what the first order was already doing yeah. and it was like that's what frustrated me every time he would tip over the table he would have nothing new it's like if you'd really if you're during that last hour he had taken it somewhere new but it's like yeah. okay okay you you you, you had enough energy to, to to 
you know, destroy the idea you were presented with, but you, you're bringing nothing new. <laughs> no, and, the, and I, guess the, I guess the only new element that was kind of introduced was the suggestion that the Force might be more widely dispersed among people in the in the in the yeah, wake of but but that number one that wasn't carried up in the third film which isn't johnson's fault but also i i guess people people seem to have a, a tremendous amount of praise for that aspect of the movie and i don't know that i don't know i, I don't really i don't understand why it would be necessary. Like I get what people are thinking. It's there's sort of a message of equality behind that, right? Yeah, but he doesn't but, do anything yeah. with it. It's but, not. I mean, it's an it's it's an idea that's stated in the movie. Yeah. But the movie the movie doesn't do it. I mean, it's still a movie where Ray is the character who's really no. badass at the force, and nobody else is. So, it you know, it's not it's not really in there. <laughs> no, and it's but it's also, I don't know that it's necessary for Star Wars to make that kind of pronouncement either in order for us to value equality in the real world. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, there's, yeah, yeah, exactly. like, like there's that, like, I think people were putting too much, too, too much pressure on this movie to, to fix social problems in real life. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's, that's why there's a lot of anger in, in both camps around this movie. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Like everyone, and, everyone wants this movie to, to be, I mean, it's like, yeah, they're, they're, you know, I mean, you, you can find somewhat, you know, some kinds of messages in the original trilogy, but it's mainly just the point, the point of Star Wars when it came out was we were in the seventies and there was all these political intrigue dramas and it was like, Hey, it's a fun space movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and like it's, a more black and white morality because, exactly. you know, the world it's, is so complicated and, yeah, and, and that's, that's. Yeah. That's honestly the other part that I think is really I I don't I think people that are critiquing they sort of Johnson comes in and kind of puts a little bit more moral gray back into the Star Wars universe like that's an innovation that is going to enhance the setting but I think the problem with that is it's not like people that watched the original Star Wars were moral simpletons. Do you know what I mean? It's not like that no. world of nuance was. It's that Star Wars was the escape from the real world, moral, you know, of moral complexity and nuance. Do you know what I mean? It was and moral yeah. gray. Um, yeah, well, it's it's there's this idea among some people that you know that if you don't, if you're not completely engaged 100 percent all the time and making everything be serious business all the time, then you're not taking things seriously. Yeah. And it's like no, I I'm involved in in politics in real life and everything but i still like to just watch a dumb fun movie once in a while and i mean and that's healthy yeah that keeps you engaged it's like i feel like i feel like so many people are getting burned out on on important issues because they you're, they're not getting those breaks and that so you're yeah. actually they're actually people who want everything to be all serious all the time are damaging the ability for their issues to be carried out because people are just are just shutting down. No, I think you're on, I think you're definitely onto something there because um, it, I mean the 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 thing that Star Wars offers you like having entertainment that that has a very simplistic black and white morality it gives you a bit of a respite from a world where it's not usually that clear how, mm -hmm. you know, you know, there's not usually a bad guy that's as apparent as Darth Vader or the emperor. Yeah. And I, and, and, and to bring it back to the rise of Skywalker, one of the things I, I liked about the use of Palpatine, and there's plenty to criticize about the use of Palpatine, but one of the things I oh, liked about I'll it, get to that yeah, later. But, but yeah. one of the things I liked about it, was how much he just delighted in being pure evil. And, <laughs> and that's something that's very consistent about that character from Return of the Jedi through the prequels to this movie. And it's like the one thread that I can find that I can say that at least is like the the, the quality thread that I like yeah. going yeah. through them. Um, so I understand why they brought back Palpatine for that reason. And I think that, you know, he's the guy who plays him is... He's this—he's kind of this great hammy actor in a way. Do you know what I mean it's like it's—it's it's, mm -hmm. it's a very and I and I feel like that's 
maybe why he fits the Star Wars movies so well and why some actors don't always fit it so well because you know it, it's it's the that's a hard it's hard to just hit the gas on evil like that do you know what I mean like that yeah well, I mean looking back you know as, as someone that grew up with the original movies and saw them as they came out it's like he is a character who doesn't get introduced till near the end of the last movie I mean there he's mentioned in all the yeah. movies but you don't he just comes out near the end of the last movie and and boom it's like yeah he fulfills all the foreshadowing of this character it's like is it yeah it could have been easy for that character to fall flat it's like comes out it's like eh, okay but yeah he, he is great he's great he is and in the prequels i i got a million problems with the prequels and i, I have problems with the way that character was handled in the prequels but his performance I cannot fault it in any of them. Yeah, no, and I, and I want to be clear here, too. There were definitely issues surrounding that character in the prequels, but just in terms of the performance. Yeah. Um, like, like, one of the decisions that I didn't like was they give him, like, a lightsaber battle, and it just doesn't have the believability with... <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, they should have just had him do the lightning the whole time because he's... You know, if this were, like, a wuxia movie, they wouldn't be giving him a sword. They would have yes. him do really powerful stances because he has stage presence. Do you know well, what I mean? Yeah, I mean the problem, the main problem with the prequels is that that you know, that in the original trilogy, Darth Vader is his is his hitman. He's a, yeah. he's the guy with the lightsaber that goes out and does things for the Emperor, and. And you see, so you, you kind of have this feeling of a relationship between the way they work together. But then in the prequels, Darth Vader does nothing to put Palpatine on the throne. <laughs> he does nothing. It's like, yeah, Palpatine spends the movies corrupting him, but he doesn't use him in any way that, re so, you know, he's like, okay, well, yeah, I'm going to go take over the Senate. You you kill those kindergartners. And uh, and that's it. And it's like, that's that was one of the biggest disappointments of the movie is that it's like, wow, so he never really needed him to take out the jedi okay no that's a good point yeah because he just he just does order 66 right and then like the yeah. jedi and the and jedi, jedi are just easy as, as pie to take care of if you shoot them from behind so <laughs> yeah exactly it, it's so but yeah i mean my other problem with palpatine the way they they made the character in those movies is that really in that trilogy, the main character isn't Darth Vader because Darth Vader, I mean, Darth Vader is just this character who's bumbling through and screws up and at the end, oh, everything sucks for him. But it's about Palpatine coming to power. But there's, so in a way, even though he's not, the camera isn't on him the most, he is kind of the character who's driving yeah. the story. And, you know, I mean, traditionally when you're constructing a narrative, you want the main character to have a series of victories and setbacks and that gives it, you don't know what's going to happen. Is this going to be one of their victories? Is this going to be one of their setbacks? And it keeps you invested. And Palpatine never had a setback. That's like ever in the in the prequels. This like the only ones where it felt like he did. Like there's the one where, oh, what's his care? What what's the character? Where he does almost get caught in the final movie. But you get the impression that's all just a setup because he just wants to get. Yeah. You know, he just wants to get Anakin to kill the guy because he can use the lightning anyway. But it's just, it isn't even, it, it's just, it, once again, it's Palpatine pretending that he's being cornered just yeah. so he can manipulate someone. Though it is interesting that that technique that Windu uses is kind of the same one Windu. that Rey uses in the in the, in the the new movie to, to dispatch him. Um, yeah, so, that's true. Yeah. That is interesting, actually. But, um, uh... But yeah, but that's that brings me to my problem to, mm -hmm. with uh, Rise of Skywalker is that you know that you you had this this narrative problem of the Emperor always being in control in the prequels and and it's like but then you know you have the original trilogy comes next and in that there is it it is much a much more fluid narrative construction where you know but but and then the Emperor gets his comeuppance at the end and. But the problem is, it's like, if he didn't really die, and it was just allowing him to get revenge on everyone, <laughs> you know, to succeed in getting revenge on every character from the original movies, it's like, he ruined, he ruined Han and Leia's life by corrupting their child and drove Luke into exile, and it's like, wow, it extends that problem. The Emperor just always won up till, up till the very last minute of the last movie, and it, it just... 
it completely takes all the fun out of the original trilogy really there's well, no victory there at all this is something that i agree with i agree with by using the emperor in the way that they do they do undermine a lot of the things that happen in the first trilogy without a question you know if you're because now if you go if if you go back and you watch the original trilogy you're going to be thinking about all the stuff that comes after it and yeah. how and and again it doesn't it doesn't necessarily undermine the redemption arc of Vader, but it takes yeah, that's like the one thing that stays. Yeah, I found but, the prequel. The prequel already ruined. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but but it does it does sort of like I don't know it, it it does something to that to that end sequence that it just yeah I I, I feel like and maybe there's no way like I, number one. I don't know what they were planning from the beginning. And I don't know if it was this situation where J.J. Abrams planted seeds that he knew could be developed into interesting things. And then they just kind of got handled in such a way in the middle movie that there were only so many options available. Or maybe he did think it was going to be the Emperor the whole time. And that was supposed to be foreshadowed in the second movie. I don't know. Yeah, I I got the feeling they weren't going to make it the Emperor. Because that did just come out of left field. I feel like because... Once again, as, as Ryan Johnson was interested in just knocking everything down and putting nothing up, you know, we, you know, we've talked before about Snoke and I mean, he wasn't the greatest villain, but a better, I feel a better, a better creator of the second movie was said, how can we make Snoke interesting? You know, what yeah, can we do? Yeah. You can always make a character, you can always make a character that isn't engaging and make him more engaging. Yeah. But instead he's like, let's just kill Snoke. And then he, he doesn't replace him. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's just... It's just there's there's no. Well, he replaces him with Kylo Ren, I suppose, but that's sort like sort of. But yeah. he but he's still he's still kind of toying with the whole redemption arc for Kylo Ren. That's the one thing he does kind of leave as a possibility. I mean, he, so I I don't know. I mean, it doesn't. It, they're, they're toying with Kylo Ren being something different in the second movie yeah. still, which they were in the first movie. They were kind of hinting at it. So. You know, you can't having him be the big villain. I felt I, like I thought it was it was kind of a mistake putting him as leader of the. Uh, it, it just felt weird putting him in charge of the first order and everything. I don't know, but no, I think I mean I think it's fair. I, the only thing that gives me pause about this is my. I have a very good friend who studied film and he teaches film and stuff like this. So I always mm-hmm. consult him about these kind of movies. Like you know, whenever I see them, I want to know his opinion. Yeah. And, uh, and 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 again, he's not. That doesn't mean he's one hundred percent right about stuff. But I remember when a Force Awakens came out, we were talking about who's Snow, who's all this, what's going on, and he's his like one of his first theories was that Ray was related to Palpatine. Um, really? Yeah. This was, this was after the first movie. Or after the, the first second? movie. After the first okay. movie, he had and he hated the Last Jedi. You know, so he hated the Last Jedi. He loved this movie and he loved the first movie. Okay. <laughs> and so, uh, and I don't remember his reasons. I know that one of them was the, the Mary Sue issue around Ray, where she has all these powers, and the best ex- one of the best explanations he could come up with was, you know, needs to be a really powerful Jedi like, or a really powerful yeah. Force user like Palpatine. But there were other hints that he was that he mentioned to me when we first talked about it. I just can't remember what they were. So it gives me pause. But but again, just going back and watching it again i don't see the i don't see the connective tissue there i i feel like i feel like what was planted was a seed that was supposed to be some kind of big reveal but that it didn't really feel like they had hashed out what that reveal was going to be and then it gets undermined in the second movie and then in the third in order to make everything work he has it be palpatine is how it feels to me um but 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 I, i i you know but i did my friend did mention that theory back then and you know i'd be remiss not to bring it up uh, you know, yeah yeah uh, i mean i i could it's not because thing is i haven't obsessed over these movies i mean i'm talking it's like <laughs> that's the thing i want to get across is i you know i i i don't know this this trilogy as a whole i haven't devoted a whole lot of mental energy to this, same here, this same trilogy here, same here. it's like i'm uh, this, this is this is the the longest conversation i've had about this movie. I, I saw Force Awakens twice. I saw The Last Jedi twice and I've seen Rise of Skywalker once. And that's yeah. probably I might see Rise of Skywalker one more time just to confirm certain things about how I feel about it, but other than that, I don't think I need to go see it all the time. No. Um, no, but 
Yeah, they put some good things out there. I thought there was a lot of good acting in this movie, not just Ian McKellen. Like I think I think Daisy Riddler is really good as Ray in this movie. I think that carried me through a lot of this movie. Yeah. She just, she she just, I mean, she you know people like to throw the Mary Sue thing at her, but it's like I, you know I've seen like interviews, I've seen like like making out. It's like she spends a lot of time training, and yeah. I don't. She just comes off as believable to me in fight scenes in a way that a lot of people in movies don't. Yeah, you know? I, I agree a hundred percent. She has the physicality to, yeah. to sell it, which is okay, not... I, I want to hear your opinion on that because you were you were more than me the expert on that. I, that I thought from from I, the I, from the first uh from Force Awakens, I that was my immediate reaction was she looks like she has muscles. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. not not like ridiculous muscles and not like, you know, not like not like, you know, Mrs. Universe, Mr. Universe type muscles, but she looks like she looks like she has the build of somebody who does like a combat sport or something to me. And, yeah. you know, and, and, and I thought that was fine. I thought that worked. And I thought also she looked athletic when she moved. I felt that she had kind of an interest, like you always look at people's builds and I thought she had an interesting build. She had a build that seemed like it wasn't a, like a lot of times you look at people and you say that person has sort of a disadvantage in terms of training to, to use this kind of weapon or to be a fighter mm-hmm. or something. And she looks like she has a nice solid build to me that is, you know, like if, if someone like that walked into a martial arts school or a boxing gym, you would think, okay, this person is probably someone that can develop into a good fighter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, yeah. that was my reaction to her. And, and also I think she has a good actress I think I think she's also mm-hmm. very pretty, which helps, you know, like having pretty and handsome leading men and women in these movies. Well, yeah, you know, isn't isn't doesn't hurt, um, <laughs> you know. So there's that too. Um, but but more than that, she has like a charisma that I think yes. is effective for the role. So yeah, so yeah I, I, I I was just that was that was one thing I see through the whole movie. I'm like, wow, she is really good in this movie. Even, even that, that carried me through. You know, this this. Cause, I mean, this, this, I, it's not even, I've only seen the movie once. And, I mean, there were probably a, a other bunch of other little plot holes or things that bugged me in the moment. But, you know, having having someone with charisma in a lead role that's just doing a good job, does I, that, that, that does a lot for it. <laughs> that is why Han Solo is so popular. It's not the character. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Han Solo is not popular because he's a scoundrel. They've had a lot of scoundrels in movies that don't take off like he did. He's popular because Harrison Ford played him. And I think yes. I think that's the part that people don't really understand in a lot of like like especially with the prequels. When you look back at the prequels, a lot of it was just the chemistry was way off between the people or you know whatever. And and here I feel like the casting was all pretty good. Uh yeah. you know, like the, like and I don't think any reviews that I've ever really seen have taken like any issue that's been taken with acting has been very mild. It's never been like, you know, this person was completely there. There's no, there's no like similar types of criticisms like you had to, uh, to, to, to the, the prequels with, with Anakin and Padme's storyline, for example, yeah. or any of that stuff. So, you know, so, so I think, I think the acting is all good. And I think, uh, I think Daisy Ridley, I think, uh, who is it? Adam Driver plays Kylo Ren. Is yeah, the, yeah, he's mm-hmm. really good. I liked. Yeah. I liked most of the stuff with them. I thought. Here's what I'll say. One issue I had with this movie is it does feel like a lot of movies today, a little bit rushed to me, in that you're kind yeah. of blazing from scene to scene, and you don't really have a moment for things to linger and for characters to talk and kind of build up a scene and. Yeah, that, like the like the it's Star Wars, the original like New Hope, as it's called now. The you know just that the, when they're when they're traveling on the Millennium Falcon, there's just those low key scenes of, of them hanging out and talking a little bit. Yeah, 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 and those were very effective. Those really help the other parts of the movie. It helps the scenes that have the emotional payoffs. And so this yeah. movie, like the Avengers, and like all the movies like that, that are just kind of blazing towards a big finale, it yeah. has that problem. But the thing that that saved it for me was the fact that you had actors like Adam driver and an actress like, uh, um, Daisy Ridley in those key moments where you're supposed to be having these emotional scenes. So it, in a way I I like, like there's a scene on the ruins of the death star. That's really emotional. And then there's the scene in the big finale. That's really emotional with them. And 
they kind of come out of left field if you're just thinking about how the movie's structured. And I feel like having them as actors there was really helpful for me feeling those scenes. And it made me sort of, I was able to appreciate them the way I can appreciate like these big emotional moments that you sometimes get in Hong Kong movies that just come out of like, you know, like <laughs> a bunch of stuff happens and then a, suddenly a big emotional scene and you just yeah. accept it because of the way it's done. And I felt like I kind of felt the same in this movie, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. I mean, that, you know, having watched a lot of those Hong Kong movies over the last year, it's like, this felt like a decent Hong Kong movie. My, my estimation of how much I enjoyed it, I was just like, yeah, okay, that was cool. If we if reviewed it on Wuxia Weekend, it had actually been a Wuxia movie. I would, well, yeah, that was, that was good. That was okay. You know, but I, I didn't, you know, I, it's, because, yeah, all my criticisms are critis- mainly criticism looking at this part of a nine-movie series. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I don't think it can bear the weight of being the climax of a nine movie series that was already in huge trouble to begin (laughs) with. I don't know that any movie could have satisfactorily wrapped up this. Well, I think, I think if they had handled the trilogy, well, they probably could have, I don't think it's an easy task, but like I could see if they pick the right person to, to do it, somebody might've hit gold and done it right. But that, that is a tall but, order. I feel like after the first and second one, the first and second one were so discordant to each other. Yeah. There was any, there was no movie anybody was going to make that was going to make everyone happy after the second one. That's why, yeah. that's my biggest problem with the second one. It's like, because there's other movies by that director I like. I'm not trying to, you know, start the Ryan yeah. Johnson as the devil campaign. I love Looper. Looper stuff. was a great movie. I thought Looper what? was. I thought Looper was great. I loved Looper. Looper was good. Rick yeah. was good. Yeah. I mean, I. I so I'm not. A, I'm not anti Ryan. He was just the wrong person. He was. Yeah. He was the wrong person for the job, or he just wasn't given the right supervision. I felt like Lucasfilm and Disney should have been a little more on the ball on how they put this whole thing together. It, it should. It's it chaotic. Should, it's cha- yeah. It's very chaotic. Well, the idea that we're going to bring one guy in, he's going to write a screenplay, and we're going to bring a second guy in, and he's going to do a totally separate thing, and then the third guy, it's like, really? That's, I mean, I realized they got lucky. With, they didn't know where they were going with the original trilogy, but they got really lucky yeah, they pulled yeah. that off. Yeah. It's like, you don't do that on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, that is a good point. The original trilogy wasn't planned from the beginning either, but but it, but, but it was handled very well. I mean, The Empire Strikes Back was like a masterstroke of bringing everything together. Do you know what I mean? Like, so I I didn't necessarily expect them to be able to pull that off again, but this, this was about as good as they could have done given the discordance of those two movies is how I felt about it. Um, Which, which, which capped it. It capped how far the quality could go. Um, And, 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 and there was some, there were some stumbles along the way that also, you know, independent of that discordia, uh, yeah. you know, like just as an example, the scene where they kill Chewie and then they take it back an instant later. Um, yeah, that was, that's, that yeah. was bad. And, the, and, and I, they do the same thing with, with C-3PO, you know. Well, that was, that was similar to, to my complaint in Last Jedi of how with, with, with Ray they have her find out about her parents, but they never really have that impact. The movie yeah. still goes for a long time and it, it doesn't impact anything she does. And with the with the Chewie death, it's like she has this moment of, oh, my God, my powers are out of control. I killed Chewie. And, and we find out he's alive before we even have a chance for her to, like, you know, for that to affect her behavior. Yeah. It's like, oh, good, I didn't kill Chewie. Never mind. Well, and we find <laughs> out way before she does, too. So it's even more. Even worse. Yeah. Why do, why do you, yeah, let us. So let the audience feel bad for a while. It's okay for the audience to be unhappy once in a while. (laughs) There were lots of problems with that. Number one, it was a total scam the way they did it because there was, I mean, I'm going to go back and watch it again and look closely, but I don't think there was any visual clue at all that he was on the wrong ship. They just kind of retconned that scene into saying he was on the wrong ship. You know what I mean? Yeah, it felt like that to me. It felt like a cheat. I, I haven't watched. I, you know, I once again, I'd have to go back and look at it. But yeah, it felt it felt really weak. Yeah, we we could have we could be missing some crucial detail. But I don't feel. I feel like I saw that. I was like, oh, like that's a that's a cheat. Do you know? It was my, my my reaction when he was alive. Number two, if you can kill Han, why can't you kill Chewie? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what's well, it, what's so sacred about Chewie all of a sudden that you that you you 
it just it to me it just shows no assertiveness in the screenplay that they're like it served what purpose did that serve because it was so ephemeral that it had it had almost no meaning it it was like this moment where you're like wow like that was that would have been some very interesting character development when that happened yeah. Number one, it was very unexpected. I didn't. I mean, I thought something might occur, but I didn't think it was just going to blow up like that. The look on her face was it was perfect for. Yeah. I, and then it just goes nowhere, and I was like, that was like the most compelling thing that happened in this movie. Why did you do <laughs> yeah. that? Yeah, and, and once again, she's a great. She is. She, she's just great, and very talented. They could have taken it in some dark direction before coming back, or but yeah, they, she didn't have to become no. evil because of it. It just. It no. just would have. It was one of those things. It's sort of like like Luke losing his hand, or do you know what I mean? It's like yeah. that kind of a moment. And because we didn't <laughs> get that Luke, moment, Luke found his hand again. Hey, here's my hand. Yeah. All right, let me put that back on. <laughs> well, and in fairness, even in even in Empire, his hand's back on. Like oh, I know, he gets a new hand. <laughs> yeah. so it's like it's like you found the same hand. But, but uh, oh, great. But uh, yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It, 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 it now that, that was a disappointing moment. I have to agree. It, it yeah. I mean, it, I, it, but it, but yeah. It's it's on the whole though. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of uh. <laughs> yeah, we probably we probably have spent all of our thoughts on this topic. So. But I, but I think I think we're kind of on the same page. Actually, it sounds like I think like close enough. I yeah. mean, yeah. I mean, we have. I think we have differences here and there on the various movies, but you know, it's nothing. Nothing I could really argue. It's, uh... The one thing I will say that I find very disappointing is I feel like the, the 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 reviews of the movies in the past few years have really been like kind of a letdown as a reader of. Of, uh, yeah. you know, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't feel like any of the reviews I've really read of these movies in the past few years have been fair at all. They've just all been coming from a very, like, strong points of bias with no attempt yes. to bridge across divides of viewership and audience. And I, so, a part of yeah, like, like in the old days when I used to watch, like, a Roger, well, watch or read a Roger Ebert review, it's like I felt like I was getting his opinion. I felt like I was getting Siskel's opinion. Yeah. Now I feel like everyone is kind of judging things, like, is this movie good for my side? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Is this good for my side? <laughs> and what like, a, what opinion will maximize my likes on Twitter and yeah, Facebook? Or, or, yeah, like, you know, no, I want to make people angry or make people... Either you're like, you know, vinegar or honey. They're doing yeah. a vinegar review that's going to make people who hate it come and look yeah. at the review because they, they're going to get angry at yeah. it or... Or I just want to, I want everyone to really think, yeah, man, we're on the same side. Well, and you wouldn't have, and in those old Ebert reviews, you wouldn't have had him antagonizing the people who liked or disliked a movie that he took an opposing exactly. view on. So you know, I mean, there might be some jabs in there, but it was there was a certain oh, amount. There was, a, be, there was there was he could be pretty sharp. Yeah, at yeah time, but there so. but there's a but there's a, like a degree of glee in in villainizing the people that you're sort of disagreeing with. In, in the reviews yeah. oh you that, didn't like that movie well clearly you have this political yeah. belief yeah. it's like no i just didn't think it was a good movie <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's it's so it's very frustrating maybe it's more a product of our age than anything else but i find it the, is. so the, it is a product yeah, of our age yeah. but yeah i you know there's one one review i read that was very much like that mm-hmm. and and i just got curious i kind of you know it was on it was in a newspaper and i kind of clicked on their name to bring up their review history and like a month before They've been talking about, well, we live in an age where, you know, you know, most of the dramas and stuff have gone over to TV and movies are all blockbusters. Therefore, it's imperative that every blockbuster must be deep and meaningful. And it's like, OK, what? what? That doesn't that's not what a blockbuster is. If blockbusters were all deep and meaningful, they wouldn't be popcorn entertainment he was he was going on about how you know basically if a, if a popcorn movie didn't have you know serious messages in it it was a bad movie and i was like okay well that that explains a lot about your review yeah. i mean i mean i would agree that there's a lack of different kinds of movies coming yes out. but you don't uh, you don't but... you know yeah I, I wish there were more serious movies but trying to make you know comic book movies and star wars movies into serious dramas yeah. it's just like 
that's that's self-defeating. If people, you know, you're not. I don't know. I, I just don't. I don't feel like it's the right approach to get those kind no, of. No, and, and there obviously is an appetite for serious drama because, like, even that person says, it's on Netflix and stuff like that. It's just that that's yeah for whatever reason. It, it, there's the the guarantee of a return isn't sufficient now so that you would make it into a movie as much right is that sort of well it, yeah i mean i think a lot of it is just if a movie doesn't i mean are people only go to the theater now because people have really nice tvs yeah. they, you get fantastic quality sound at home unless it's something that you're like i want to see this on the big screen why are you going to go i get theater to see it you know it's well, like and also that it's a global market now too for movies. So like yeah, every time they make, if they make like, and I'm just using this as an example cause it's a, it's a lot, it's like a praised television drama. That's just randomly selected. But if they make like a breaking bad movie, right? Yeah. That's a, well, they did. No, no, but, but it went right to Netflix, right? It didn't go to the, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But, no, but say, but say they wanted it. to make something like that, not necessarily a sequel to breaking bad, but a breaking bad, like drama film that was going to yeah. be global. I can imagine how difficult that would be because so the the thing that makes that interesting is it's sort of getting right up to the lines of where we're culturally sensitive to certain things and staying just you know I mean? it's it's just hitting the right curve of those lines so that it's dramatic and provocative but not mm-hmm. freaking people out do you know what I mean and yeah. how do you do that across the globe because the moment you go into another country those lines are totally different do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like that would be really hard to achieve. Um, but I guess speaking of global, we'll transition into Doctor Who because, okay. uh, you know, that's from the UK. And and actually, you know, this I think this has come up in the past, but actually Adam is Australian. So we have sort of a... That's a, true. Yeah, so, yeah. Accent aside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we have the, uh, you know, sort of the UK coming to the american and the australian point of view though i don't know before we get into that how like what how much of an australian do you consider yourself because i don't want to put that on you if that's not like you're you know what i mean <laughs> i've moved around so much i'm i'm as australian as i am anything else i mean i i feel yeah i, I don't know i've never it, it's still part of my identity definitely but okay. uh yeah, I, I, I it's, it's complicated. <laughs> but, but anyways, just I just thought you know that might be an interest just because we were talking about global filmmaking. But um, but yeah, so you and I were were talking by email about uh about the Doctor Who series, and neither of us have started watching the new season yet. I think we we both had do we have favorable reactions to last season? I can't even remember what our our conclusion about last season. On the season whole, was. I mean, yeah, there were some, there were some, there were some solid episodes last season i thought i mean i i, I just didn't, didn't break through the I, ceiling for us right was that the, i didn't was... I will, yeah i mean i think i think the end of the season i think it didn't it, it, it didn't didn't i wasn't like blown away by the end of the season but then again it wasn't a disaster like a lot, a lot of Played, it kind of kind of was in the I felt kind of in the middle there by then but yeah I just haven't I, we, we haven't started watching the new season yet and I I don't know I just I just it just hasn't been on my mind I just I, I, I you know and, but but I will say I felt the same way before I did of the last season of the previous okay. doctor and I ended up actually liking a lot about that season I really liked the companion I liked I think it was possibly Capaldi's best season and uh so you know who knows? Who knows? Yeah, but, that so was a not, great I, season. I, I remember really enjoying that season. Um, yeah. So it's just Doctor Who, this, taking it as one series, you know, well, even just a new series, just taking the new series as one series, this series has been going a really long time. Yeah. So the fact that I'm not excited about it doesn't necessarily reflect on the quality of the yeah. show or anything. It's just... Well, my understanding a long time <laughs> I, I was reading some things online on like different art like news sites and stuff and it looks like the ratings have dropped but again yeah. i i find that discussion so hard to wade into because there's usually like a, t- a 
uh, a tug of war between opposing camps going on with Doctor Who, and one side yeah. always wants the ratings to be high, one always wants them to be low. Well, you know, yeah, you know what I mean. There's, so, like, I, people that are that are just praying for it to fail. I'm yeah. such a big Doctor Who fan. Or, or the I people who are just boosting it mindlessly too. You'll have both. You'll have people that are sort of like, I'm on board no matter what, and you'll yeah. have people that are, I want this thing to crash and burn, and. And, yeah. and the result is even when you're reading like reviews, not reviews, but like articles on like news sites, sometimes the the people writing those articles are like in one of those camps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And so it, it's really difficult to navigate um, until like years later and you can like look at the you can assess <laughs> the numbers, you know. So so I don't know. But but I did I did read an article about how the ratings dipped on the New Year's special. And I was thinking about it. And I was like, you know, I always watch doctor who on the christmas special and i think shifting to new year's might have affected that viewership number because I agree. yeah i agree i mean and i mean i don't know what viewership numbers if they were if they were just the uk ones or if they were international now but i feel like you know i mean i you know I, i'm not british but i get the impression a lot of people will watch it on christmas day after christmas dinner the family yeah. will kind of oh let's sit around and watch doctor who and you don't have a Christmas day feeling on new year's day. New year's yeah. day is just a day. New year's Eve is the holiday and new year's day is like, Ooh, I'm just going to recover. And I mean, yeah. on the one hand, that's not a bad thing for television. You have like the twilight zone marathon and stuff, but it, it's not, it's not appointment television. Like the show you watch every year after Christmas dinner, you know, it's not a family day. It's not a day when people no. are, usually it's the number one. New year's is actually new year's Eve, not new year's day. Do you know what I mean? Like new year's exactly. Eve is the big day. And it's nobody's like, paying attention. to The only thing people want to watch on New Year's Eve is a countdown or something they could have on the background while they're doing yes. other things. Yes. Um, and then on New Year's Day, people are either recovering or they're at work. Like the world doesn't stop on New Year's Day the way it does on Christmas Day. So, or at least in the States and in the UK. So, yeah. uh, so I don't know, maybe they have the day off over there on New Year's Day, but here you don't. Um, well, so, a lot of people, it varies. It's it like, it depends like, on the job you have. But like, yeah, if you work exactly. in the service industry or something, no, you don't you have don't. that day off. No. Um, but you, you would often have Christmas Day off if you work in the service industry. So more people, yeah. you know, I think more white collar jobs will probably still have a New Year's Day off. But yeah. but I've even worked a couple of jobs like that where I didn't have New Year's Day off. So I think it really varies. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just not a day where people come together for anything in particular. So I think that yeah. affected it. I, I would imagine too, just sort of like the, some people might've just not watched just out of, you know, feeling like they were sort of pushed aside or something because of the shift as well. Do you know oh I mean? yeah. So, there was, um, there was definitely some culture war baggage yeah. involved, which well, I don't know if it was intended or not, but I, uh, it's, it's just, I mean, I, it, it, people are going to make it a thing, whether it was meant as a thing or not. I'll say this. I don't think it was meant to like wade deep into the culture war over that. I feel like it was definitely done with an eye towards being more inclusive or something. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think one of the things I always found charming about Doctor Who was that it still had a Christmas special because yeah. you don't see those that often. And I was like, well, that seems like a very English thing as an American. Like, you know, they just are like more maybe more rooted in Christmas than we are here where it's kind of become the holidays and it's not, it's a little sort of sidestep it in a lot of conversations and stuff. Um, but yeah. it's still, it's still an omnipresent event. Do you know what I mean? Like Christmas. Uh, is still, if they, if yeah. they wanted to be inclusive, why did they pick new year's day of the Christian calendar? Well, that would be a whole other, a whole other topic. You know? I'm just, uh, just but, trying to cause trouble. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. But, but, but so I do think there was, that element to it and i don't think it was a i don't think it really solves anything by shifting it to that day yeah on the, at the same time i don't think it's a catastrophic that moved yeah it's not like but it does no, kind of it, take it, oh go ahead oh, i say no but it, it does it does get get up on the wrong foot just to, to have because it's an easy easy if people are in the habit of watching it on christmas yeah. day as a family things that are a family tradition it's like you know we we have the family monopoly game thing in a lot of holidays, and it's like it happens whether anyone really wants to play monopoly or not. You're okay. gonna, you know, the monopoly game has to come out, and people play it, and you do it because that's what you do. And it's okay. like if Doctor Who is like that in the UK, it doesn't matter. People are like I'm really excited about this new season of Doctor Who. It's like oh, 
it's time for the Christmas Doctor Who and someone puts on puts it on, even if nobody's watching. Yeah. You know, you're getting the ratings. <laughs> no, and the other thing too is Christmas Day has a feel and New Year's Day does not have a feel. Right? Like yeah, it's New very Year's easy Day. to like you like you like I tell you Doctor Who Christmas special and everybody knows that it has to do certain things in order for that episode to to make sense right it's not going to be like a normal doctor who episode it's got to yes. there's got to be snow involved and these various things or some some well, that was that was their given reason their given reason for why they moved to new year's day was like man we are so totally out of christmas ideas for doctor who that was the official reason and i feel i feel they would have been better off sticking with that date for tradition purposes even because i mean a lot of those christmas doctor who episodes are are two percent christmas yeah anyway it's like all you have to do is just you know put a christmas tree in the background in a scene and you're done it's the christmas special yeah (laughs) yeah i don't i don't buy that they were out of ideas because number one it's like so it was easy until they got to this new showrunner and then suddenly he's declaring for everybody that they're out of ideas like it just seems that just seems kind of odd uh but again, it's not the end of the world. I just think it does lose a little bit of its charm by shift. New Year's Day feels very sterile. It feels very neutral. And I I am not a New Year's person anymore. Like from have been like since I was a kid. I don't know. I mean I, I, I'll do things on New Year's. I got yeah. together with people on New Year's stuff, but it's just it's a party, but it's like I don't I don't know. I'm not someone that gets excited about the calendars. I, I really can never get into the spirit of the big countdowns. Like, no, oh my too. God, I'm going to write a different number on yeah. my check tomorrow. It's going to it, be very exciting. It takes about a month or two for that change to even sink in for me. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't this, is, this is a decade change, and I'm still like, eh, I don't now, care. Now, I will say, I am happy that we're finally in a decade where we can start talking about like the 20s and the 30s and the 40s and the 50s it's not this weird like what are we supposed to call this 10-year block that we're in type thing yeah um you know the teens i guess were kind of okay but they just still felt strange and and the zeros the what do they call them the aughts Aughts. yeah that, that made no sense at all to me the 20s make sense so you know when this decade is passed and we need to talk about the 20s (laughs) <laughs> It'll be handy. Um, and we're going to have to start clarifying between the 20s of this century versus the 20s of the previous century. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. those, I I feel like, I mean, I'm sure that they probably still, in the 1820s, they probably still called it the 20s, but that just didn't really carry over. I feel I feel like the 20s of the, of the past century have a real character to them. And, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what they call I, I, it. It's an interesting question. What did they... You know, I don't know. How, how much do people care about decades as a as a cultural I mean category anyway? I, I don't know. know. Maybe I mean and again we're just talking out of our ass at this point. Yeah, I, mean, I, I have am no idea. totally but, that's what but, I was yeah. I wonder like is, is it is it is it a modern concept to really focus on what every decade is like? Well well maybe you do need a certain uh like critical mass of, of media for that to become a thing, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Like, yeah, like, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not saying either way. It's just. Yeah. It's just. A, just a question. I'm wondering. Because it, it does sort of. You don't really think in terms of decades unless you're making like listicles and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like unless you're like, <laughs> yeah. do you know, like, uh, you, you you know if you're if you're uh you know living in a cabin in the 1820s you might not need to, to to conceptualize individual decades in that way. And there's probably yeah. let there's probably more gradual change too in a pre-radio, pre-television, pre-magazine, pre-audio recording era. Do you know what I mean? Well, I, think, like, I think, too, I mean, just, just, just my own personal viewpoint, my lack of enthusiasm for New Year's and decade change, it's like the older you get, like, you know, the, the shift from the 70s to the 80s and the 80s to the 90s or something, it's like, ooh, it's a new decade. And I, yeah. felt, I was like in tune with pop culture and I felt like shifts happening and, and, but it's like I don't know. I'm not. I'm not really that connected to pop culture. I don't know. I just don't. I, I view things as things that happened over my lifetime rather than discrete decades. I never. I have no concept as the aughts as a concept. What were the aughts? Yeah. You know. I don't. I mean, and people younger people may. And I, but you know, in the teens, I don't have. I don't have this cliche image of the teens. And yeah. once again, young people that was. It was more. They were more 
culturally shaped by it might, but I, I honestly don't care about decades anymore. And I, it's, I think it is just a product of age because I have, I am a little bit younger than you, and I was in my, what was I in my twenties during the aughts, and so. Th- that period still kind of has a vibe to me in my head. It's not quite. It's wow. not. It's not as stark as the '90s or the '80s or the '70s or the '60s. Those are stark decades <laughs> in my mind. But the aughts still is something like that's to me. The way that I conceptualize the aughts is that's kind of when music went to crap in a lot of ways. Like not not music as a whole. Rock music sort of went to crap in the aughts. Oh yeah, um, it got I, really. I, I would say it was kind of dead partway through the nineties myself. But, but like know. in the aughts, this thing happened where it got really soft rock music. Yeah, and got really old play. I don't know how well Coldplay <laughs> and like some of the other bands like Hoobastank and stuff like there was there was a sound to the chord progressions that. I, even though I didn't like grunge, I could wrap my mind around those chord progressions that came out of grunge. I, I sort of was like, I don't understand why they're going to A minor on this. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but but in the aughts, I was like, I do not understand why they're picking this chord over five other chords that would make me more excited. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't I didn't get the aesthetic of the aughts rock music, um, and that's one of the defining things. The other the other defining thing is I sort of think of it as kind of like a, a dude bro era the aughts do you know what i mean it's kind of mm-hmm. got like a dude bro vibe that's like a lot like mma was kind of coming up there was a lot of stuff like that in the air um and and it was also concretely post 9 11 so there's that yeah and then i feel yeah. like i feel like the aughts kind of wiped away a lot of the cynicism of the 90s because of the events of 9 11 and the teens are sort of where we start to see some of that cynicism returning maybe um that's how I conceptualize the decades, but, but I, but to, just to get back to your point, I think as you get older, you do disconnect from pop culture, and you disconnect from fashion, and you disconnect from all these things yeah. that are like signals of what a decade is about, and so, so yeah, just you know, uh, but again, I were on a big tangent from. New Year's Doctor special. Who or topic. Yeah, and so in conclusion, did Doctor Who. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but I think there is a connection, which is I think we're both getting to the point where we are not nearly as invested in the happenings around pop culture at all. Do you know what I mean? Well, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's not another factor, too. It's just everything I watch now, I watch streaming. Even if yeah. it's a new show, I'd be watching doctor who on 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 demand on cable more than turning on a tv and a channel and there's just there's there's a lot of shows i have in my streaming queue that i'm really into right now and it's like i don't feel like ooh the new doctor who episodes out i've got to get to it just because you know i mean a lot of times i watch things because of the podcasts that are new and that's the only reason i watch things that are new because it's like you know six months under normal circumstances i might might wait six months ago Hey, I'm in the mood for some Doctor Who. Yeah. I'm gonna watch some now. There's like two seasons built up since I last watched it. No, that that's a good point. That's a good point. I, I and and I and I, I feel that I don't know. It, I I am just having a harder time getting excited about you know anything that comes out now for whatever reason. I think I think because we are so saturated with it. It's so like. I mean, we've always been saturated with pop culture, but I feel like there's an oversaturation of discussion online about pop culture that that I'm, you know, uh, I'm of guilty of being of being a part <laughs> of too. Uh, but it just sort of it just kind of weighs you down after a while. Just sort of you know this 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 endless conversation about you know what you know, and there's yeah. so many shows and so many things, and it's like, well, geez, like is that all there is in the world is TV shows? Do you know, like is there is there anything else that people can talk about and discuss? So, yeah. um, but but yeah, so I don't know. There's probably a good spot to end it because we're getting up to the hour mark, and uh, and oh, before we go, I should have mentioned this at the start, but Strange Tales is out in PDF, and so people can go and get that if they want. Uh, Adam edited it, uh, and it's a it's a really great piece of work and hopefully people can will go and you know buy tons of copies and you know we'll, we'll get to number one on rpg now so so all right so we will let you go and we will talk to you later <laughs>